We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast, where you think before you love. Please feel free to subscribe and listen on Anchor, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Breakers, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or your browser. Be sure to share a link with a colleague, family member, or friend. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to the sensitive nature of subject matter. Think before you love is the Romantic Truth Podcast motto. You will not get slapped here, we promise. All right, let's talk about um, being emotionally unavailable. What is that? Many of you have asked that particular question. So let me go and address it. And by the way, thank you for tuning in to Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. I'm Jocelyn, your host. Okay, what's happening here is this. An emotionally unavailable person is an individual that you may encounter on a dating site. Usually you'll find that the majority of people are this way. You may have a perception of this person in context that they're there looking for a relationship. They may see you as nothing more than just someone that they are going to be with for a short period of time for whatever reason. And that whatever reason does not include a relationship. You're more of a nuisance to them. They don't want to get in touch with their emotions. They're not ready for that. You're just a placeholder. They may have a physical need for you, such as sex or intimacy, and that's it. Now, the sad thing about it, they may even come out with the premise of, well, you know, I don't want a relationship that's based on sex, when in actuality, they do. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance when it comes down to people on the dating scene. Say one thing, do another. This is a common thing. This is the reason why when you go and write out a uh, profile on a page and you say what you don't want, who do you usually get? The people you don't want. The reason being, they look at it as a challenge, an affront. I think you have someone that will say, I don't date this type of person, I don't date that type of person, and yet they wind up dating that type of person. Now, emotionally unavailable also means that this person may want to have these feelings of being with someone else, but they may be committed or married or in a relationship. And so they're thinking that, well, I could deceive this person for a short period of time, get the benefits of being single with this person. And then when my husband or spouse shows up, I go back to a normal state of being. Or I bring someone else new in that I have better control over. This is a common practice as well. Now, with the emotionally unavailable person, that individual they're with is an object. And they may want to have that sense of humor come out, that person that's trying to get to that emotionally unavailable person, 
they may want this person to have that sense of humor, their personality to come out. And the only thing they get is a flat affect. They will get the marginal effort of that individual to try to engage with this person. And it's because they don't see that person of any value to them emotionally or any other kind of way. So therefore, it doesn't warrant them really participating in a relationship. Now, here's what they will do. They will do just enough in order to get you involved, but not enough to keep you. You know, you see a lot of women talk about other women who can get a man but can't keep one. Usually, this may have an impact on that behavior. Because they're not into a full commitment. Well, there could be other things. And one of the most uh, motivating challenges for many people is, I might miss out on something. So let me not get too involved with this person. I'll be conveniently involved, but not inconveniently involved. And there's a difference. See, when you're inconveniently involved with someone, that means that what you can't do is not necessarily break up with that person and go on and pursue someone else. When you're conveniently involved, that means that you can break off ties with that person and move on, damn the expectations and everything else. And also, an inconveniently involved person means that there's a good possibility that that individual is going to be in a situation where there's some benefit to them if they stay. Because, see, one thing I'm going to tell you, folks, when you first start dating someone, what they're doing is it's like they're going into your home and they're looking at the things of value within it. Oh, nice painting. Oh, nice furniture. This is the way they're looking at your life as they're coming into it. Now, they're looking at the things they'll change. I don't like those drapes. I'm going to change those. They're looking at certain things that they are going to change in you. Now, one thing that I will tell you is this. A power move for many people is to get into a relationship and then start, quote unquote, constructively critiquing your partner, telling them about what they need to do with their health, what they need to do with their diet, what they need to do with their weight, what they need to do with their fitness. And they will try to incorporate their activities into your life. But see, what they want is the benefit of having that convenient friend, that convenient confidant. You're not necessarily someone that they have an equity stake in. You're just someone that's there for convenience only. This is the way emotionally unavailable people operate. They're never going to fall in love with you. They will tolerate you. They won't be so, how could I best say it, uh, presentable. In other words, they may, as you get a chance to get to know them, and after they feel as though, well, there's really nothing here for me, they're going to start to fade. It's going to start with the intimacy and the sex that's going to be cut off. They might have an excuse such as, 
They may have to go to the doctor, clinic, or whatever. And what that is, that's a form of cleansing because they're preparing themselves to sleep with someone else. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And the only thing is, they're going to go through the next person the same way. Now, you also have to understand, with emotionally unavailable people, they don't really have a vested interest in anyone but themselves. This is why they keep their single lifestyle going. Even if they're in a relationship, that doesn't stop. And they always feel as though they deserve a decent relationship. But what you have to do, folks, you have to look back and look at the way they've treated themselves. And that's an indicator of the way they're going to treat you. If they've been in half-assed relationships where they didn't finish them, if they've been in situations where they've always failed, and if you can see clearly why they failed, Pointing it out to them, it's not going to do any good. They'll become defensive and move on. So don't consider that a loss when those people leave you and they're out of your life. Consider it a fortune, a blessing that they have. Because they can't do nothing more but cause more damage. I have witnessed women back in the 90s. One lady dissed me way back in the 90s. I think it was 93. And progressively, I watched her have child after child after child with different men until she had three. And then after the third one, she decided to get it together and look for a husband. And not realizing that she has thrown away her whole marketability for a quote-unquote good man on a um, hypergamy type of uh, triad. She had lost out. Because no six-figure man wanted to deal with that for the most part. And she would try to reach for those men, but the only thing she would get would be the thug. She got a lot of 40-year-old men talking about they wanted to be rappers. That's what she wound up with. And this is what happens more often than not. These people don't share their feelings. It's their feelings. If they need something, they're not going to tell you. They're just going to go and get somebody else to do it. But you also have to watch this because that's a double-edged sword. Because if they couldn't use you, they would have to use somebody else as well. So that's a standard as well to keep in mind. 
You see, the first thing that I think about when I go into a relationship with someone, how is life going to be without them? That's the first thing I think about. Because, see, during that 90-day period, that's the bell curve. We meet, we go, we get to our peak of being intimate, going out and everything, then we go down. Then once we've gone down at the end, we're done. Now, another thing too to keep in mind. Charles wrote from Shreveport, Louisiana about a certain issue he was dealing with. And I'm bringing it up now. It has been now six months that I've been dating this woman. And I listened to one of your podcasts when you started talking about looking at the expenses that you have racked up from dating. In six months, I've spent over $2,000 on restaurants, on food, and it's really killing me with this woman. I have to put food in her refrigerator, put food in my own we always go out to eat and it's always her mentioning this oh and by the way when it comes down to cooking she doesn't know how to so guess who has to do it now I'll admit I signed up for this but I never knew it was at this extent the only thing she likes to do is to go out to eat go to the movies and that's our lives watch a little TV We do nothing more than that. And every time I get in my car with her, it's costing me money, big money. We drove down to Florida last weekend. That trip was almost $1,200. And she doesn't see it. And I paid it. And I know I'm a fool for doing this because I'm going to need this money later on in my life. I'm trying to break my addiction of trying to always make women happy, trying to always please and appease. This is something I got from my mom. Dad wasn't in the house growing up. And I hope at some point I can break myself from this addiction. Charles, Three Point, Louisiana. What Charles is dealing with is a prime example of what I'm talking about. What's important to her, the lady that Charles is with, is what he can do, not who he is. This is the reason why she's having him do all this with the money. See, the only thing she's going to do with all of this stuff is make it like a scrapbook in her life. That's as far as it's going to go. It's not going to go any further than that. She's already made the decision on what she's going to do. She's going to keep making demands. She realized she has a guy that's willing to go out there and do this, that, and a third for her. And he's going to do it. What I would tell you fellas is to watch who you go out for, who you're doing all these things for. She may not be worth it. A lot of people don't like hearing that, but it's true. 
because there are certain people that don't deserve certain things. You've got to face it. Think about the four. They would love to be rich, but they don't deserve it, right? For whatever reason. I didn't make that rule. Society made that rule. The way you see things as they are made that rule. And it could have been easily changed. Whereas we did like other countries did. Let's say, for instance, these countries in the Middle East that share oil revenues with their population. I'm just saying. More in a moment. All right, let's talk about the foundation of a relationship. What is it? Well, it should be friendship. That should be the first one. Instead of trying to go look for a lover or a romantic interest or a fine-ass woman, handsome-ass man, six-figure man, all of this other crap that they're throwing at you, let's look for a friend first. Why would I say this? I want you to think about your friends in comparison to relationships. The longevity of your friendships with people outweighs some of the relationships you've had, right? Guys and women have come and gone in your life. Well, what is that friendship? It's a constant. Now, here's the thing I tell you. By establishing a friendship with an individual first, you have more of a solid foundation. You're also creating a situation where you're having what is called individual wealth. And we're talking about in the context of having good people around you. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, you know, I don't sleep with my friends, etc., etc." Well, I got news for you. If you're in a good, solid relationship that's functioning properly, guess what you're doing? You're dating. You're married to a friend. Now here's the difference. With that foundation of friendship, what do you look for? You look for integrity. That person that's going to do right by you no matter what. That person you can trust unequivocally, without a second thought or a doubt. That's a friend. But we get caught up in the packaging of a person. Oh, they're handsome, they're beautiful. And we accept it at face value without opening the package to look at the contents. Well, we look at that person and really try to decipher whether or not this person is good for me. Whether or not they're the right person that should be in my life. We find ourselves preoccupied with trying to see whether or not this individual is somebody that may even like the things we like instead of understanding who they are. Sometimes we have to put down the compatibility and start looking at what we are dealing with first. 
So as that person is talking to you and telling you about themselves, instead of sitting there trying to make match point as far as getting along at every level, let's look at the macro view of things and see overall what this person is offering. You can always make the comparison later, but listening and observing is important. Because see, at that point, what you're doing is you're gathering all the information you need to make a good decision. Now, here is the downside for some people. You may classify someone as a friend and that person still has romantic overtures and sentiments for you. But here are some things you have to also look at. If this person is classified as a friend, I want you to think about a couple of things. The first thing I want you to think about is this, as this friend of yours. Are they genuinely your friend? Or do they have a specific interest to get in your draws? Here is the thing. If you two have a mutual interest in each other, it can go forward. But what do we usually do? We separate our peas from our carrots when it comes down to friends. Women do this a lot. No, my friends are in this category. My man is in this category. But they don't put the effort in the relationship with their man as they would in a friendship or someone they're not intimate with which means that you have a gap in the relationship. Now, when you have that gap in the relationship, what does this mean? This means that some of the qualities that you expect out of a friend, guess what you haven't done? Set those expectations for your own partner that you're in a relationship with. And that could be a detriment on down the road. It's like a sandwich. Friendship as the foundation, relationship as the second layer, family as the third layer. And unlike most pyramids, the opposite occurs. The weakest link and element is at the top the strongest foundations at the bottom. Now, I came up with this mindset years ago because what I found was that I was dealing with a lot of relationships and with many of them, there were a lot of empty people. Women that were very, very ardent on staying on top of me, making sure that I wasn't messing around with other women and wanted me to get rid of all my female friends. And I started to ask myself, I wonder why this is occurring. Well, I realized a lot of the women had nothing but their vagina to offer. And they were on par with every other female walking around the face of this earth. And so they were threatened by that. They had no personality. They had no character, no drive, no ambition. So 
It was only obvious. And like I always tell you, what do people protect? Insecurities and addictions. And in this case, that's what I found myself dealing with. Well, why were these people attracted to me is the question I would ask. And then I found out why. Because they took kindness and thought that what that was for them was an opportunity. You know, you hear this term kindness for weakness, right? Well, they misinterpret it just being kind to a person as love, as some sort of romantic interest. And you have some people who don't get any attention at all, and the little attention they get, they interpret that as love. They interpret it as something that you're giving them that should go a lot farther than where it really should. It's a misinterpretation. And what they don't realize a lot of times is that you're just trying to establish a friendship. And if a relationship evolves out of that friendship, all to the good. But if it doesn't, you have to look at the characteristics and the qualities of that person to see whether or not you still got you guys can still be friends. But one thing that would have to happen is the romantic interest in that party would have to wane. It would have to go away. And some people can't do that. So what do they do? They continually try. They get classified as a friend, and guys do this a lot. Well, at least I'm still a friend, so I got a shot. And that's the way they look at it. And a woman could say, we're friends, but that means on a different level. That means no intimacy. A lot of women get in trouble with the three and six o'clock guys with this. Where these guys are classified as her friends. And when they're classified as her friends, what that means primarily is that you have a certain place you need to be in my life. And that's it. You don't go beyond this point. And if that person's already expressing a romantic interest in her, he's like, oh, well, she's just putting up a smoke screen because she's giving me attention. And now that she's giving me attention, the only thing I gotta do is just to wow her with gifts, wow her with love, love bomb her. The only thing I have to do is go in a way that will make her want me. Because that's the way these guys feel. But a lot of times the women are not there. They've already made their decision. And it's a hard decision for some men to uh, accept. And when it gets to a point of them feeling personally rejected, not because you've done something wrong, ladies, but because of the fact that, oh, you don't tell me no. I run into plenty of women that told me, oh, you don't tell me no. You don't reject me. I reject you. When it gets to that level, it's going to be chaotic. That person's not going to be a good friend. That person is going to be on a quest. And what happens then, they're consumed with trying to win that battle, trying to conquer you, trying to make you theirs. That's all they want. Now, after they've won that victory, if they were to win it, 
the relationship would be miserable. Because then what you would have is a level of hypervigilance. Well, that person's like, oh, I got you now. Now I got to keep you. And so they're going to monitor who's around you, your friends, your family, influencers, because their insecurity has to be fed. It doesn't go away. It intensifies. There was a lady that wrote me a while back, and she thought the best way to get rid of a guy like that was to sleep with him. And that was the worst thing she could have done. Because at that point, he thought he had some equity. I was inside her body. We exchanged fluids. So therefore, she's mine. And she actually did it thinking that it would be a good way to exit. He'll leave me alone after I do that. Now, there are other people that are out there that you may meet who will go and start a relationship of no substance. And then they will use cognitive dissonance by saying, yeah, you know, I don't want a relationship that's going to start out in sex or it's going to all be about sex. And then they wind up with a relationship that's all about that. And what this is, is nothing more than just a game they play with themselves. They try to fool themselves. And then they may be absent for a considerable period of time after having sex or being with you intimate. And then they expect to come back into your life when things don't go well and resume their status. There are some people out there, folks, that only need you for a specific purpose in their lives. And when that necessity is either met, they may still try to hang on to you until they need you again. And then you become more utilitarian, more functional to them. You're still not a friend. They're not your friend by no stretch either. The only thing that they have done now is use the relationship as a vehicle to try to use you. There's no substance behind it. These will be the very people to cry foul if you make a call and say, hey, the relationship's over with, or you just don't communicate with them anymore. Then they get upset with you. It's your fault. You're the bad guy. You're the one that ruined it. Because what are they doing? Projecting shame, blame, and guilt. These are three things that people will use as a weapon against you in relationships. Now, the one thing I want you to take away from this particular segment of anything, I want you to understand Your friendship with your partner, if you truly establish one, is priceless. That relationship, it may be like Luna or Bitcoin. Volatile. Up and down all the time without that friendship at the base. So friendship stabilizes the environment between the two of you before you go and get into a relationship. If you're just basically putting the foundation 
of your relationship on that alone, hmm, you're taking a big risk. A larger risk than you should. More in a moment. Well, we're back. And what we're going to talk about now is how the economy is impacting your relationship and how some of you may have to prepare for a different approach when it comes down to relationships as well due to these economic times. Now, in particular, what I want to look at is what's happening now. Inflation is at about 8.3%. The Fed's got rate hikes going which means it's going to be more expensive to purchase consumer goods, whether it's uh, using a credit card, buying an automobile, and yes, even purchasing a home. We have seen rents soar in certain cities. In Memphis, as high as 41%, Miami, 58%, Las Vegas, 34%, and higher in many other areas of the country. A lot of people have relocated in the hopes of saving money from California to Missouri or Arkansas, Tennessee, only to realize that the economy is also in pretty bad shape there too, when it comes down to cost. So what are you left with? A lot of couples are thinking about breaking up now. Because one of the biggest encumbrances on relationship has to do with finance. Infidelity is also another. Infidelity is also another. Now, we have to look at some realistic things here. Some of you have retired and understand that you have to go back into the workforce once more. And what does this mean for many of you? Well, a lot of you don't want to have to do this, but you got to do it because what you retired with is not enough. Some of you are adjusting to a fixed income and it's difficult because when you were working, there were things such as overtime, bonuses, commissions, that could kind of pad the way for you. But you don't have that luxury anymore. And being reintroduced in the workforce, you may do whatever is possible. Work from home, part-time job, something, and you're going to be introduced to new people, new experiences, and potentially relationships. Whether you're looking for them or not, they may pop up. New friendships. Now, one of the other biggest threats, of course, is getting to work. Because you know when you work, you got to spend money on clothes, as far as cleaning, as far as uh, making sure that you have the proper items to look nice in the workplace or to represent yourself well there. And you also have to have transportation. And as we know right now, there's a chip shortage globally. So automobiles are superficially high. Even vehicles with high mileage are being sold at a premium. 
you look at what the politicians are doing with this concept of NOPEC, where the buyers of oil globally, the United States, Europe, are going to OPEC. And with this, what they're doing is they're realizing that, hey, we have to work out some kind of way of making it feasible to have gasoline for our citizens. Oil producing, exporting countries. We're trying to work out a deal with them so that oil could not go up to $300 a barrel, which would send a lot of civilizations and countries in a financial loop that we probably couldn't get out of for a long time. And what we have to look at are a few things here. And a lot of you are saying, well, how in the hell does that impact what I do? Well, here's how. Saudi Arabia, as an example, no producing nation under OPEC. If they decide to pull back on production because they have to deal with the same groups of countries in order to agree to a certain amount of oil being in the market, that's going to raise prices. And right now what's needed is we need to have more production. Now we could strip the land here in the United States. The problem is we can do fracking and everything else, but we don't have the capacity. We just don't have it. And a lot of us realize this. Got to remember Venezuela's out of it right now. They're not up to standards because of their government being in shambles right now. So we have to work with what we can. And of course, we got the conflict going on in Russia and the Ukraine. So these things are having a global impact. We got over COVID as far as the main shock of it. Now we're becoming a little bit more familiar with it. However, the supply chain issue still remains a problem. Production still remains a problem. And we got to realize the financial center of Asia is under lockdown, Shanghai. So we have to look at these other variables that are going to impact you at home with consumer prices as they constantly continue to rise. Now, a lot of you are going back and forth in debates with uh, your family members and your loved ones about, well, we get Biden out of office, things will be better. No, they won't. This is something that's far beyond the scope of a president and his policies. This has to do with something that's systemic. Prices are rising throughout the world. So you're not just isolated with your problem. A lot of you are going back in the workplace on the same jobs in some cases after going to see if the grass was greener with other jobs and realizing that, yeah, I'm making more money, but I don't have that sense of achievement or accomplishment here. 
I don't feel as though I'm in a good place compared to where I worked before. And now you're hearing what is called the big regret. People that held out for more money, people that went and took other jobs because they thought they were better, a better deal. And now they're rolling back to some of these other employers. Some of them are still in business. Some of them are hanging on by a thread. These are all impacting you and the way you are functioning when it comes down to going out for a date. You meet someone online, they live 40 miles away. Well, if your vehicle only gets 19 miles to the gallon, are you really going to spend that gas to get there to see that person? Probably not. You're going to scratch your head and think twice. So now, what that means is that geography is going to play a larger role in your dating choices. You're not going to be able to go that 15, 20 mile commute. That means that a lot of men are not going to make those treks like they used to. It's too costly. You have to have money for work, money for gas to go to work. So they're going to be looking for more people and in more closer geography. See, we already know statistically women do not like traveling no more than about 15 miles from their location. At best, users around 10. That's for dates, relationships, those kind of things. And now it's gotten to a point where it's not affordable or cost-effective for men to do that same traveling unless they go on a different mode of transportation. Some people are even going as far as to park their cars. And when they've gone on dates, they'll go and take an Uber. Because an Uber would be cheaper than filling their vehicle up if they only have to drive five miles to work every day. Well, they may not want to fill their vehicle up and they'll say, well, it's cheaper for me to take an Uber at $30 to go see my girlfriend than it would be for me to drive out there. Which means that if you're in a distance relationship, those trips are going to be a little bit more infrequent. Some of you will have to make compromises. And you may not be in a position to move right now. Take, for instance, if you have a guy that lives in a one-bedroom apartment and they have a roommate, you live in a two-bedroom apartment with a roommate. It's very difficult for that roommate or yourself to even find another place. There are waiting lists for apartments. But you want to be together with your partner, but it's difficult. I was chatting with a lady that moved from Wichita, Kansas, down to Florida, down to Orlando, Florida. And she went on the word of her girlfriend. Didn't do any research, didn't Google anything. She just decided, oh, okay, well, I can get an apartment down here. Well, she goes down to Florida, she gets a job, and finds that she's on a waiting list after 35 people. On average, she was on a waiting list of at least 10 to 15 people or more when it came to apartments. So she had to wind up staying with her friend, and the friend now feels as though there's an inconvenience because her friend has a husband. 
And the husband's like, well, when's she leaving? And it's because it's causing a problem in the relationship. This can happen. Family members are going to probably move in, and that's going to be another issue in itself. And so the reason why it's so difficult is because now we don't know how long this situation is going to last. And therefore, people usually have arrangements when a person's coming to stay with them, they have a timeline, two weeks, two months, or whatever. So there's a lot of stress that's involved here. You're dealing with other personalities, other people. There's still some of you who lost a lot of money a few days ago in the stock market. Who lost a lot of money in some of the uh, virtual currencies like Bitcoin. And if you were with Luna, you know you lost. And as you've taken that hit, you got to figure out how am I going to do it. Some of you may have to take on a roommate and you don't want to. You love your own personal space. But it's becoming more difficult. Even though you're making more money than you did maybe back in 2019. Being that inflation has adjusted, it's gobbled up that advantage that you had. And you're having to make some hard decisions. You know, if you move a person into your place, you'd really have to want to know that person. And so you're kind of skeptical on the, on the idea of going and signing up with one of these uh, roommate services. And some of you are going on places like Bumble, where they have certain features where you could meet people and possibly create a relationship or friendship and then look at having roommates. These are things that we are looking at and considering. But see, eventually, and what everybody fears is that we're going to price ourselves out of the market because the cost of living, the standard of living will actually take a hit. And what does that mean? That will mean at that point that most Americans will not be able to afford where they live anymore, especially renters. And we also have to look at housing. How has that been impacting you? Some of you are out there looking for a home now with your partner, and you can't find one. Or if you do, there are several offers on that property, far over what the market is asking for. But we have to consider certain, certain things. Home builders ran into a problem because even though they have the material to build the homes now, there are certain components that are still in short, demand, in short uh, supply. Front doors on houses is one. Components for a second story in the house, another one. And there is about, on average, every year, about 27 million people looking for a home. Looking to purchase one. So, what happens here? We start having a backlog. 
Many of the banks held on to the properties. They didn't do what was done back in 2008 with the bailout. Prior to it, where they were just putting those homes on the market, they're not doing that anymore. They're not taking that chance because they know the government will not bail them out this time. So we run into an inventory shortage. A lot of people are not selling their homes. Now they're trying to hang on as best they can. And even if they do sell their homes, they have to look at where am I going to live afterwards. And of course, many people look at a value purchase. Buying somewhere where it's much cheaper. But even with the price that they will pay that's over market, it makes it harder on the people in the communities in which they move into because now they've paid way too much for the house and therefore it spikes the prices of other homes. So we have this to think about as well. And again, you're still asking, how does this relate to me? Well, it relates to you in the sense that out of all of these things going on in our society and around us, you're not in a bubble. You're facing the higher grocery bills. You're facing the higher gas taxes and gasoline prices. You're also facing companies that are looking at themselves now and they have right-sized many of their environments where now they don't need so many bodies anymore because they've learned to live within a new normal. Yes, you will have employers out there asking for people. But here's what you also have to realize. A lot of them will not stay in business because they're going to price themselves out of their own markets. Restaurants especially. The average meal in a restaurant now in some cities is as much as $120 for a sit-in meal. Everything has been marked up. And I'm not talking an upscale restaurant by no chance. If you have an infant, baby formula is a big issue right now. We're running short on production of that. Then when you go online, you find that they're gouging in certain areas for certain products that are in demand. See what happens in an economy like we have now, folks. You have people that honestly, honest people, honest business owners that have to have pass-through costs to the consumer. But also, it allows vultures and gougers to take advantage of this opportunity too. And that's the unfortunate reality. We will talk more in a minute. Some of you may be in a stage of uh, talking about getting married. And now you see that even that expenditure would be a little bit too much right now because of what's going on in the economy. So you're scaling it down a bit because now prices are really out there and they're going to get higher. 
Now, with all of these different things going on in our society, globally, a lot of you men especially are starting to realize that a budget is essential, it's very important. And now it's going to be a situation where you're going to look for more quality in the person you're with, more so than the quantity. Now, what does this mean? A lot of the women that are out there looking for a man to take care of them and put hair weave in their hair, those designer eyelashes and clothing and all these things, those women that used to have that franchise of having the guy to do it if he was her man in order to, for her to look good for him, you're going to find fewer men willing to do this because of these economic times. And the reason for that is because it's at a point where being broke used to be a bad thing. Now being broke is a real thing. Not only for men, but for women too. Trying to redeem themselves, trying to recuperate, trying to rebuild what they perceive they've lost. And these are things that have to be faced. Now, of course, we don't really like doing this for several reasons. But what we have to understand is that this is the new normal, at least for now. So let's look at some of the things that are going to impact men. You're not going to be commuting to your girlfriend's place as much. If you're in a long-distance relationship, since airfares are going to be going up because of the fuel crisis, fuel shortage, you're going to have to measure your trips. You're going to have to look for bargains if you're going to still do this. And you may have to have a closer time horizon as to when the two of you are going to be together. Because after all, you're burning money that you will need for retirement, that you will need to spend on the relationship, and airfare travel and other expenses. Now, commuting to your girlfriend is going to be another challenge. Gas is expensive. The gifts you buy her, they've gone up too. Taking her out on dates. It's another thing. So what you're going to look for is more of a quality in the investment of the woman that you would be interested in as opposed to just trying to willy-nilly go out there, throw money, and try to impress any woman that you so desire that you happen to encounter. So it's got to be a lot more focused on your purchases. You're not going to be going out as frequently. Cost too much money. Some of you in long-distance relationships are going to rely more on Zoom or some other video chat or video interactive software to communicate as opposed to visiting each other. Living arrangements will change. Some of you will prematurely move in with each other without really knowing each other that well because you're adjusting to the financial climate. Your lease is up for the apartment. 
and they're going up by 28% on the rent. You can't afford it. And so now your partner's saying, well, why don't you come and live with me? And then what we could do is we could fight this together with one voice. Sounds good in theory, but if you have not been with that person long enough or don't know them that well, you don't know what you're dealing with as well. That may be some surprises that comes about. You don't know what that X factor is, and I always tell you about that. The gotcha. There was a situation that was uh, written into me by a gentleman. He asked me not to read his email, and I wanted to talk about it in particular. He was told by this lady that lived in Southern California, as he did, but she lived in a different upper-scale community, not really wealthy, but upper-middle class. She told him, since they were going up on his rent, he should consider just coming in and moving in with her. They had a three-bedroom apartment, the lady did, with a roommate. Well, on the surface, he thought about it, and he said, yeah, that probably would make sense, because in that way, at least it would save me money. I'll be with my girl, and things would be just fine. Well, what he didn't count on was, he went on and moved in with her. They shared a bedroom together. The other roommate had her bedroom, and the other room was an office. Now, the one roommate, she was working from home. So she had everything set up at the office. The man and the young lady had jobs that they had to leave the home for. Well, the gentleman was further away from work, so he had to commute. He's farther away from work, so he had to commute. So he goes and does this. Well, they both come home one evening, and she sits them down, the other roommate, and says that she's going to be relocating back home with her family. Now, she could take her job anywhere because it was remote, which meant that that portion of the rent was no longer going to be available. So when the lease came up, she was going to leave and not resign. The gentleman wound up putting his name on the lease when their lease came up, came due. What he didn't realize was that the other woman that was there was actually the person that got the apartment. So they had to qualify again for the apartment, and fortunately they did. However, here was the problem. With the rent increase and what they had to pay, they waived the security deposit the first and last. He was at a point where he realized that what he's done is increased his expenses and all aspects of his existence. Whereas what he was before, he was actually better off. Even with the rent increase he would have received there. But now he is bought the farm. Well, what the roommate did as a nicety, she did not take her security deposit back 
from the landlord. So the couple actually had to eventually pay her back the money. Trust and good faith. She moves back home with her family and now she's paying zero in rent. Her mom and father's uh, mom and father's home was paid off. So the only thing she had to worry about was property taxes, and that was minuscule. So what the gentleman wrote me about was how he shot himself in the foot in this ordeal. With this move, his car insurance went up as well by fifty dollars. A month. He was actually paying less where he lived. So he's making this adjustment, and they're starting to have arguments now. He's working a second job, and she's still complaining. And what he's realizing now is that she's not going to work a second job. She's tired. She's not expecting to try to do anything with her life to increase the income. She's complacent. And what he's stepped into now is an obligatory situation that he is not really prepared for. But what got me in the email was at the end when he said now she's talking about wanting to have children. Now, here's the thing. You have some people who deliberately deceive you, not tell you the full ride of everything. See, the omissions that people will give you a lot of times when they want to make you think that things are better if you see it their way is due solely to the fact that what they're trying to do at that point is to convince you that this would be a better deal for you and anything else you think of may not be so pleasant. And so what they do then is they omit the challenges that would make you say no to the offer. Same thing is true when you meet someone in a relationship. They will omit certain things that when you find out, you will be pissed. And they do this deliberately. And they'll say, well, you know, it was out of shame or you wouldn't have chosen me or uh, you wouldn't have wanted a person like me, etc., etc." They're going to usually fall into the victim's category like she did with this. So his consolation prize was the fact that, hey, I got you into this larger place and now we're going to have a baby. You should be happy that we're going to get together and have children. Things that were not even on the radar when he first moved over. Along with the friend that was not renewing the lease with them. What I'm sure that his girl knew about this prior to inviting him in. She didn't want to move. She was comfortable with the lifestyle, comfortable with everything that was going on. She just needed another workhorse to come in and fill the void. 
This is what people do. The very people you walk past every day and say hello to that you have no idea what's associated with them in their lives. They don't walk around with a badge telling you something like that. So it's going to be tough, folks. It's no joke. It's even impacted my life in some ways. But that's okay. I can deal with it. Higher food prices? Yes, they are. Higher lift prices that ride from here to the VA in different places? But what can you do? And if you're on a fixed income, you really have to be careful about who you introduce into your lives during this time, especially. See, once you get past 45, those setbacks hit you even harder than they would have in your 20s or 30s or 40s. And the reason being is that during that period of time, you have enough time to recover. When you're 45 and over, it becomes more difficult because you have more responsibilities on your shoulders at that time, far more. So you have to make more responsible and informed decisions. And it becomes a little bit tougher. And you got to consider your aging. You got to consider that career-wise, you're probably at your pinnacle, 45 through your 50s. And once you get to your 60s, you may still be there if you're fortunate so that you can go out with a bang. But here's what I would tell you is a helpful strategy and something that I learned to do. When you're in your 50s, your late 40s going into your 50s, you want to shed as much debt as possible. You want to pay off as much debt as you possibly can so that you could at least, let's say you're 55, and you've been paying on your bills religiously, and the only thing you have now is a car payment and a mortgage. You paid your student loans off, paid your credit cards off, those kind of things. You should focus on paying that car off. Because the more money you will have available and disposable income, the more you can put away your retirement. And the key is to leave that placeholder open that would have been for that car payment. And instead of using that money to put it into your regular operating budget, put it in your retirement. Save it. But see what has happened so far? We have gotten so far in debt that when we pay a debt off, oh, we have more money now to go back in debt. And that's if you're thinking on a monthly basis. You know how they hit you with a $4.99 per month for streaming services? And then before you know it, you wind up having 40 or 50 streaming services per month? That adds up quickly. When services realize that they can get to a point of consolidating services instead of having them individualized and have a flat monthly fee for those services, I think they'll come out a lot better. And I'm sure that's where many of the cable providers are heading. 
But you never know, right? It's unpredictable as I don't know what. Now, other things we need to look at too. At that age where you're getting close to retirement, 55 still, you also need to look at a couple other things that may come into the picture. Associative debt. Paying for your kids to go to college. If you're paying it out of your regular cyclical income and you're okay with it as long as you're working, you might want to pay that debt off before you retire. Because what you want to do is you actually want to wind up when you retire, like when you started working. And when I say this, I mean theoretically, where you don't have that much debt. So you go through this bubble where you're going, you're gradually going up the economic scale. You're making your money. You're doing pretty well with your career. You're buying things. You're paying them off. And you're continuing on with your life. And then when you are now getting older to retire, you want to shed that debt and kind of come back to the simplest form of expenditures as possible in your life. You're going to be more on a fixed income. There'll be things that you probably won't be able to do retired that you did when you were working. And a lot of people like to go and say, well, you know, I'm going on vacation. I'm going on a trip. I want to go on a trip around the world. I'm just going to go take all this money out of my retirement and do it. That's a feel good moment. But what do you do during the hard times? What do you do with the displacement of the dollars that you put away for retirement in comparison to the cost of living at that particular time when you retire? Those dollars are going to be different in value. So if you put away $250,000 for your retirement, we'll say back in 2000 or even 2010, well, that money may go faster now than it would have back then. And these are things you have to think about now in order to go forward. I thank you folks for listening and I really appreciate you. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice, 
In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.